I think this song captures that we are waiting with hope. We are not just waiting for no reason. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to The Worship Review, the podcast that critically and charitably examines songs that are sung in the church and by Christians. My name's Tyler. I'm a linguist and an analyst, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Colin. Hello, I'm Colin. We are pivoting here to start looking at Christmas or Advent songs as we approach December 25th, which, as many of you know, is the day that uh, many Romans used to worship the sun. And so we thought it'd be a very con- no wait, <laughs> Colin, I messed up the intro. You did um, we are pivoting to talk about Christmas because the holiday is coming up. So, um, Colin, do you have any comments on the um, Apollo worship or anything like that? Or no, it was Saturnalia. Yeah, Saturnalia, not yeah. No, not really. I mean, I like this time of year for the podcast. I don't remember. Is this the third year that we've done this? I think it is. Yeah. We've done a lot of Christmas songs. Would you like a list? Yeah, I would. Would you like to hear all the Christmas songs? So, listeners, this is an advertisement for you to check out some of our back catalog. Um, so, in 2020, we did Silent Night, Joy to the World, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, God Rest You Merry, Gentlemen, and Mary Did You Know. In 2021, we did Noel by Chris Tomlin, O Come All Ye Faithful, Come That Long Expected Jesus, O Come O Come Emmanuel, a song called Seasons by Hillsong, and a song called Sing We the Song of Emmanuel. They got the syntax wrong, but it ended up being a very good song. And then we actually did a Christmas special last year. We did Born is the King by Hillsong, Savior of the Nations Come by Ambrose of Milan, <laughs> throwback there, <laughs> Go Tell It on the Mountain. What Child Is This, and Creator of the Stars of Night. So this is our fourth Christmas special, Colin. Holy guacamole, Tyler. That's crazy. And I'm surprised that we, you know, we're going to do a few songs, but there are some old ones still that we haven't done yet. So we'll do some of those and we'll do some new ones too. Sir, we will. Should be fun. So listeners, strap in because it's going to get wild in here. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get very Christmassy. Colin, why haven't we done, you know... Jingle bells. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Is there any reason why we haven't done those yet? Uh, no. And I'm surprised also we haven't done baby. It's cold outside. Would be intriguing to say the least. <laughs> uh, I, let me think of any other wild ones. Uh, Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. Yeah, if we sure. haven't done. Um, yeah, I think these really get to the reason for the season. Absolutely. Don't they? At receiving presents spending lots of money, gorging ourselves on food. This is the reason for the season. We are looking today at a song by Sandra McCracken called Come Light Our Hearts. Now, <laughs> hold on. have we done hold a on. McCracken song? Yeah, you read her name before? like you have never heard of her before. <laughs> I know. I know. I was I was just being I was just being silly. It was good. <laughs> But Sandra McCracken is on a ton of Indelible Grace songs uh, as being an Indelible Grace musician and 
um, just is a very prolific musician, producing a ton of music by herself and with groups. But I think this is the first time we've done one of her songs alone. Kind of surprising, actually. You would think we would have gotten to some of her music yet, but we just haven't. It just hasn't happened. So here we are. This one's an interesting one, too, by the way, because I... So I just picked this song because it's on one of the playlists that my wife has around this time of year. And I just kind of... It's just kind of in the background of our Advent time at home. And I've always kind of liked it. And then I thought, well... It'd be interesting to actually talk about this song and look into it. And then as I was looking it up, it's a song that is on Sandra McCracken's 2016 album, God's Highway, but it was actually released the year before that as part of a larger project called Rain for Roots. I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with this group. The children's yeah. album, right? Yeah, it's kind of like kids music, but it's not like just kids music. Like a grown up, like grownups could totally listen to this music and enjoy it. And it's Sandra McCracken's involved and several other people do it as well, Christian musicians. And a lot of it is scripture based. Like the music is trying to take, uh, in some cases, word for word transliterations of scripture, but in other cases, just concept for concept and trying to represent scriptural passages in music. And it often it's done really, really well. And this was a song which I was unsure exactly which if there i'm unsure that there is one section of scripture that's being represented with this song but clearly just some general themes about waiting and the coming of of the messiah both the first time and the second time it seems to be what the song is generally about yeah and i didn't mean to belittle rain for roots by saying it's a children's album that's not my intention at all and in fact um I have I've heard quite a few songs from Rain for Roots, I believe, and, and liked them because because they have typically less convoluted language. You know, where sometimes on this podcast we're talking about things that are like, you know, twixt the firmament and the earth's abundance lieth man. And it, it and it's it's very refreshing sometimes to kind of get at um biblical Christian music, which um, does, as you said, draw from scripture and reinforce core truths uh, in our hearts in language that is simple enough for children to um, comprehend without, you know, dumbing anything down. And of course, you know, Jesus says, let the children come to me uh, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And also, if anyone does not receive the kingdom of heaven like a little child, he's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and this music is also quite uh, elegantly produced. I think it's real straightforward. You know, it doesn't have a lot of distracting elements to it. I just find it quite listenable. And so this has just been one of those songs that I just have absorbed. And it's just a nice, pleasant song, simple song. I think it's probably like three chords, but it's just a nice song. Mm. So, but we'll talk about the lyrics and see how they stand up. Let's do that. Okay. For you, O Lord, our souls in stillness wait. For you, O Lord, our souls in stillness wait. Truly, our hope is in you. 
truly our hope is in you. Going through the lyrics will not take very long with this song. So this is the first chunk of lyrics. McCracken sings this over and over again, just as Tyler says. Again, there is no one part of scripture that this is drawing from, but there's a lot, especially in, say, the Psalms. Psalm 25, for example, this is verse four and five. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And I love what Advent is all about. I think this song captures the essence of that already, just in the beginning, that we are waiting with hope. We are not just waiting for no reason. Stillness, I think here, implies a sense of anticipation and hope uh, qualifies that anticipation, that the anticipation is in the hope. And then obviously we have scripture to kind of fill in what is being talked about. In the case of Israel, this was awaiting the uh, deliverance from various forms of oppression, even occupation. It was also, of course, deliverance from sin for sort of collectively, but also individually for David, for other psalmists. It was awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. And of course, we await the Messiah's second coming. So we can join in and sing these same things about waiting for the Lord in stillness and in hope of his salvation. Yeah, 100%. My mind went to the Psalms too when I read this uh, because we have not just waiting, uh, but waiting in stillness which I think encompasses silence, but also a kind of stillness of mind and heart while you're waiting too. Um, and so my mind went to Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's the first half of that verse. And that's what we get here. Um, as you said, this song does a really good job of tying the eager but patient anticipation of the Israelites with um, our eager and patient waiting upon the Lord's return. And I think that verse, verse 7, um, captures that pretty well. I like that this verse gives us a reason for the waiting, if that makes sense. So it, there's kind of an implied reason here where you have our souls wait in stillness for you. Truly our hope is in you. And, you know, I I, I know we say this every year, but uh, winter is a dark time in the Northern Hemisphere, and um, a lot of, actually a lot of bad stuff tends to happen around the holidays. There are a lot of suicides around this time of year, too, and um, Advent has always spoken to me as kind of light in the darkness as we look around the world and we see sin, we see uh, despondent people, we see hopelessness. Um, Advent is, and Christmas really is, bringing hope and joy and light into the darkness of humanity, which this song gets into pretty pretty clearly. If I may editorialize just a smidge, but your, your comment, Tyler, just made me think about how true it is that the Advent season, the Christmas season, also tends to be a time of darkness. And we look to, yeah, the things that you mentioned. But then I was also thinking, just as you were speaking, it is also a time of false deliverance, right? And we were joking about it at the beginning of the podcast, but instead of embracing the the season of waiting and remembering the waiting that we're doing for the coming Messiah, 
certainly American culture, probably culture in many other parts of the world too, has turned the Advent season into basically a shopping time, right? To to basically gorge ourselves and gratify ourselves on temporal and immediate forms of fulfillment. And it kind of distracts us from the period of waiting. So there are these sort of obvious dark things that happen in the suicides and the depression and the loneliness. But then the solution to that that the world offers is not really the Messiah, right? It's not actually capable of delivering us. And it is a nice song too, and as is the Advent season more generally, in that it reminds us that it is good to wait upon the Lord. It is good to wait upon him in stillness and contemplation, just like you said, to wait for him in a hopefulness and not immediately expunge our sense of waiting in false deliverances, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and if I may editorialize your editorializing, I think the sadness and the depression and the false hope that the world offers are related. Because if you are you know, alienated from friends and family or you've been fired or what have you, um, co- there is no consolation in Santa Claus is coming to town or the most wonderful time of the year or sleigh bells or anything like that. In fact, it could make it a lot worse. And um, I think biblically, the hope that we have is so much stronger uh, than, than that. If we look at Psalm 130, which I think ties into this verse where we talk about hoping in the Lord, verses 7 and 8 say, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So we have there um, hope in the Lord, and also a reason uh, for the need for a savior. We So we have actually a picture of why we even need redemption, right? We have iniquity. We see it in other people, but I think Christians, we should see it in ourselves first and, and most clearly. And um, the hope and the redemption that we have is in the Lord because he is the one who redeems us from, from sin. Oh. Lord of life, our only hope, your radiance shines on all who look to you in the dark. Emmanuel, come, come light our hearts. This is a section of the song which you, again, can't read in the way that I guess sometimes we have read songs, which is sort of like, well, what's going on here? What's happening? You know, stuff isn't clear. I don't know that I would read this as critically as that we have the Lord being mentioned yet again, various titles, Lord of life, our only hope. There is obviously here a metaphor in terms of light and darkness or radiance in this case and darkness and that God will come and light our hearts. Okay, we don't know what that means. That's 100% true. And in a sense, I think we could be critical of that. In this simplest way of seeing what Advent is though, a lot of the language in the Old Testament passages that look towards the Messiah coming speak of light, a light in the darkness. This is in the book of Isaiah, for example, as is the name Emmanuel, which we also see mentioned 
in this passage, God with us, Isaiah 7, verse 14. There is a bigger context that this song works within that is obvious and does not simply leave us without knowing what light means, what dark means. It would be nice if the song spoke of sin, for example. It would be nice if the song elucidated a bit more about the condition of man and maybe was a bit more explicit about, say, prophecy. But this song is designed to be a very simple song, kind of boiling down the basic elements and metaphors that we see in Scripture. And in that sense, I maybe am less critical of it than I would be of other songs, which don't have that immediate context that's obvious. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. Am I being, am I doing special pleading here? Or, or is this fair? What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if there's some motivated reasoning going on because you already like the song, but, um, I, I actually think this is, this is a very good verse. Um, I think it's two sentences. Um, our only hope, your radiance shines on all who look to you in the dark. There's a title at the beginning, a Lord of Life, to which we're appealing, and then we have the other sentence, Emmanuel, come. Come light our hearts. So I guess two sentences, but come is really repeated there. So the thing that I, I guess I would disagree with you is that this doesn't elucidate the problem because there is a hint here about this darkness. It's not merely a darkness in which we inhabit. It's a darkness that also inhabits us. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a need to say, come light our hearts. So it seems like the song acknowledges that there is some darkness in us that needs to be illuminated. Um, and like you said, Isaiah makes this super clear. Um, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone, and, or if you're British, shone. And I think here the um, radiance described is drawn directly from that verse, as you said earlier. If I'm being fair, we have criticized songs for not naming God. This song names Emmanuel, which is God. So I'm going to say this does a good job here. Um, but it, it declares Emmanuel to be our only hope. So it also talks about Emmanuel's being the exclusive hope for those who are in darkness. So I think that's good too. One interesting thing though, um, I can't, f I'm not, I'm not going to say Lord of Life is an unbiblical title because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and Jesus is Lord, and he is the Lord of our lives. Um, but it's it's one of those things that sounds like it would be in the Bible, but you can't find it, this title. It seems like it's a novel title in the English language, unless, unless I'm mistaken. I'm not aware of any uh, verse that calls God the Lord of, Lord of life. But yeah, uh, John, I think also this, this verse is drawing from John 1 pretty heavily um that the word was with god and was god in the beginning and that in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it i see that in this verse too so in my opinion this is a this is a biblical verse
O joy above all other loves, in you we find more than enough. We come as we are. O heal and restore. Come light our hearts. So again, this is speaking to biblical themes. So God is our joy above anything else that we could love. I think this is similar to the language that you just mentioned that the word only is doing in the previous chorus, only hope. We have joy above all other loves. And then again, in you we find more than enough. Now, if I'm being persnickety here, enough what? Why do we need it? I think these are legitimate questions to ask of the song, and it could be useful if in the song's own, uh, you know, for what the song is attempting to accomplish, which is to speak to darkness and light, that God is the light in our moment of darkness. I don't think it would hurt the song, and I think it's a legitimate criticism to say that the song could flesh that out a little bit more. But in essence, I think we have here the idea that we find grace, presumably. I think that would be, in the words of our friend uh, David Lichty, the kind of available meaning here is certainly the idea of grace, that we find grace for our sin. It's not mentioned here explicitly, so I, I think we could ding the song for that. But in essence, we have the idea of God healing us, restoring us, the Messiah coming, righting wrongs, fixing the state of our hearts, fixing also the plight of his people, which he will do. I'd like to know more about what the phrase, come light our hearts, means. So this is the title phrase of the song. The closest that I could find for a passage of scripture that I thought aligns well with this part of the song, and indeed in some ways the song more generally, is Psalm 130, especially the back half. Uh, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. Verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning. 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. It'd be nice if the song spoke of some of that language, if indeed the song is trying to speak to our need for a savior. What are we being saved from? I think this song is a little bit vague about that. But for just kind of listening to, and again, having it in the context of Advent, that context is provided in some ways by what is going on around the song, presumably. But the song itself doesn't provide that, which I think is worth noting. Okay, so I will admit, my my initial reaction here was actually to be kind of persnickety, um, because it opens with oh joy above all other loves um as opposed to kind of oh, oh love above all other loves and it feels like it's I, I guess just in my head love is a different category from joy if that makes sense so it just didn't feel like it was making a a meaningful comparison there um but the interesting linguistic thing here is kind of what you infer from the verbs heal and restore that tell us what this savior is doing so when, when the song appeals to Emmanuel to come and then says, heal and restore, the implication there is that there is sickness or some sort of malady, and restore implies some sort of destruction or, or a state of um, disunity or incompleteness. There's something missing there that I think the song is getting at. And of course, like you said, it would be nice to hear the word sin to kind of make sense of 
of the problem. But I think it does more than just, you know, what we see in some songs, which is pass out a confusing and vague. Yes, I don't think this is the same as what is done in some other songs that we look at that sometimes use this language. Rather than just say, come light our hearts, we actually have a depiction earlier in the song of uh, people in darkness. We have a picture in this verse of people who are sick and a people needing restoration. Um, I like this. I mean, we've, we've seen songs that say, come as you are before. Um, this song actually declares we come as we are. So it's not even, um, it's not an imperative verb like the former, but it's actually a description of our state before this redeemer and this king. That is, we're, we're not bringing merit or any reason to Emmanuel for him to desire saving us or anything like that. Um, we, we simply come the way that we are to him. And I think that's really, that's refreshing. Oh, the word I was looking for is platitude. Like if, if there weren't this, if there weren't those other categories being introduced to make sense of the light our hearts thing, light our hearts would be a platitude, right? Um, but it's not because there, there are plenty, first of all, there are plenty of scriptural notions giving us a framework around which to build our understanding of this light that we need. Um, and second of all, the song makes reference to scriptures that talk about that darkness as being sin. So I would say it's it's definitely better than just a kind of vague platitude. Yeah, and the third thing that's going on, and this has nothing to do with the song, and if I've if we've said this about previous songs in an unfair way, I'm happy to eat crow. Yes, I'm happy to eat crow and perform a mea culpa in some way. But the third thing that helps this song is is the seasonal context. It is obvious, and the song is released on a kind of Advent album. It is it is a scripture album. So there is a contextual element in the song that kind of tells you what some of this means, even if the song doesn't say it. It's not just a song that is released without it being anchored in something. Like it's not just on some random album or being performed in a random service without any kind of, of context. That's just maybe the best way to put it. And so I think that has to factor in a little bit to the way that we evaluate some of these elements in the song, which might otherwise be vague without the context. And the other two things that you mentioned that also provide meaning. I totally forgot my little linguistic tidbit. Um, Sorry. So the linguistic tidbit is um, in older forms of English um, and in older forms of Germanic languages and in German to this day, um, the word for the savior or redeemer is modern German Heiland, um, old English Halland, um, old Saxon Heiland. And the, the what's interesting about this term is that it is it's basically copied from Latin, loaned from Latin. Um, Salvator, um, and it it encompasses a savior who is making things whole. So that that's the kind of heart of this in in modern German Heil. Like if you say someone is, uh, well, you wouldn't use this word anymore in modern German, but uh, typically, but um, it refers to something that is um, it is healthy and safe and secure. And so I, I this phrase, oh, heal and restore, I think is kind of getting at the role of the Savior in our lives, that it, it's um, 
it, it, it encompasses a different category than, you know, merely a military ruler who comes and sets things right. It encompasses a kind of healing, healing redeemer. So I, I, I like that here. Colin, do you have any some f- kind of final thoughts here on this song? Yeah, I'll just say that I did come to the podcast today with a more positive disposition to the song, largely because of familiarity. It's like food, right? You you try it a few times. Eventually, you can come to like something and it, and it becomes something you enjoy. This song would be like that. I think if I had brought this song afresh, I'd probably be a little more critical of it. In the end, for me, the song is going to be more or less useful depending upon which the context in which it is used. I think if this were just a song... Now, Sandra McCracken said, by the way, that she envisioned this song not only as a Advent song, but also potentially as a song that could be used in other times of expectation and waiting. That is, maybe a time of Lent, for example, for churches that celebrate that kind of thing. So I think if it were per, if this song were properly introduced and explained a little bit, it would serve really well perhaps even in a congregational setting. For me the song is most beneficial in the way that I have enjoyed it, which is largely as background music for the season as just something that kind of provides a a welcome distraction from the go, 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 bye, 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 me, me, me uh, aspects of this pre-Christmas season. And so I like it more as that than I do as, say, something that would be actually used in a church service. I would rather see this song sung in a church service than than some other Christmas songs. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And my, my thought actually went to using this in communion. It actually seems like the lyrics could do could really supplement a communion Hmm. service um not merely during advent but i mean this language of um in this final in you we find more than enough we come as we are heal and restore come light our hearts i think a something that sets up what the the light shining in the darkness of our of our sin and in the sin around us um would actually be supplementing this ver- this song and this song would supplement a communion service. Sure. So using this Christmas song for the sacrament of communion would essentially be the inverse of what we saw with Let All Mortal Flesh Be Silence, where a song in the Eastern Orthodox Church, which was originally about the Eucharist in that, in that uh, church, become co-opted for kind of Advent liturgies in the West. Uh, we would kind of have an the opposite thing happening there where um, it acknowledges that Advent and communion actually have a lot in common where you're actually experiencing um, spiritual union with God. Um, I I definitely think that, you know, most evangelical Christians today would, would disagree with uh, the Orthodox on the nature of Mm -hmm. that sacrament as, as, you know, what is coming down from heaven at that time. But um, you can't deny that there are similarities mm-hmm. there, yep, if that makes sense. I think sense. so. That makes a lot of sense, Tyler. Well, Colin, uh, what do you give it? I'm going to give it three out of five foxes because on the album cover, that is of the uh, Rain for Roots Waiting Songs album, there's some things that make sense, like an angel and 
what looks like a, a baby Jesus. But then there's this thing that kind of looks like a fox or, or a wolf or so I don't know what it is. And I just like don't know why that's on there. So I'll give it three out of five. And that's that r- rating reflects the fact that I don't think the song is as specific as it could be on its own terms. I don't want to critique the song for something that it doesn't even attempt to bring to the table. I do think on its own terms, there are some things that it it doesn't quite bring out that it could. But also, as opposed to other songs that would have some of the same terminology and metaphor that we see in this song, I think this song, for the reasons we've already explained, does provide some meaning and significance for those things sufficient to have it cross the bar for me. Tyler, what about you? My rating would have been different before the podcast. What what would it have been before the podcast? I think it would have been a four before the podcast. But I think if we're... And my heart is still kind of there, but my head is not quite there. Ugh. It's a shame we don't have a three and a half. Um, Yeah, I think... I think I'm going to stick with my original and say I'm going to give it a four out of five. I think it it does more than clear the bar for me. Um, I think there's enough scriptural framework here kind of forming the backbone of the lyrics um, that I, I can't see a line in this song that I could sing and be um, dissatisfied with. Even Come Light Our Hearts, the first time that's introduced is Emmanuel yeah, Come, right. Come Light Our Hearts. So. It's, I think it's, I think it's a four and my quantifier here is going to be stony beaches, four out of five stony beaches, because on the album cover for, uh, God's highway, Sandra McCracken is kneeling on a, what looks like a massive hunk of stone, uh, next to the water, which I think is the same place where she filmed a, uh, live performance. Nice. It certainly looks like it. And it's at sunset. I don't know. It's a very idyllic location. So yeah, four out of five sandy beaches. Well, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you always. So write to us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. Give us your whatever you would spend on children's (laughs) presents. We want you to give to us this year. Think about... Don't think about the children. Think about the podcasters this year. Um, But uh, seriously, uh, share our podcast with your friends, and we look forward to being back with you again next week with another Christmas classic. Take care. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.